This morning, we continue to celebrate the amazing love of God by studying the life of Jesus. We see the pleasure of God to bring healing through Jesus Christ. The problems of humanity are too great for us to heal ourselves. We need Jesus. And by God's grace, Jesus is willing to bring healing and give us hope. Please join me in reading Luke 5, 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his hands and he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more but now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate, he, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. We all join me in prayer, please. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you and to learn more about your amazing love through studying the Gospel of Luke. Lord, we know that there is an enemy that wants to distract our hearts, that there is a reality of our fallen humanity that wants to ignore our desperate need. So we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will guide the study of your Holy Word. We do not just want to be inspired, Lord. We truly want to be transformed more into your image, that we might be able to live more for your glory. So we pray for your mercy in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Well, good morning again. If you have Bibles, please keep them open to Luke chapter 5. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some in front of you in your pew. If you want to use the Bible on your phone, that's great. And if you want to Google things as we do this, just to make sure the facts are true, we invite you to do that as well. Uh, it is our hope that uh, the Spirit of God truly will use the Word of God uh, to really give the healing of God and the hope of God for us as we study. This series is on the amazing love of God, looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we've seen how God's love is made very clear in revealing his word to us. Uh, God has given us an orderly account of his revelation through Luke uh, so that we can reorder our life uh, in, uh, from love to him and through his love in his word. Uh, we've also seen God's amazing love through the incarnation, that, that Jesus came and he was fully human and he was also fully God. He didn't come as God with a higher quantity of life. You'll remember this. He didn't come with a higher quantity of service, a higher quantity of humility, a higher quantity of religious obedience, a higher quantity of religious leadership. This isn't to say that God came so that if we just do more of something, that we could be reconciled with him. Jesus shows the amazing love of God in coming as a new quality of life. 
He came as the fullness of the goodness that we look for, the full extent of the love that we long for. He is the embodiment of justice that we seek. He's a whole new kind of human. Fully human, but fully God. And this is important so that he could play a mediating role between God and humanity. Is this new, in this new quality of person, God made flesh, he took on the quality of our sin so that by faith in him we could be born again and be a new quality of human. New creations is what Paul calls it. And last week we looked at the mission of Jesus. It's for everyone who has faith in the mediatory role of Jesus. He really lived the perfect life we can't live. He really died the death we deserve. He really rose from the grave. He took the penalty for our sins so we could receive his righteousness. And all who believe have this new mission. We receive God's love. We become a new quality of person so that our life can be on mission, making the world a new kind of quality. Bringing clear his kingdom come until Christ does in fact come again. What an opportunity God gives us through his mission. Well, today we're going to see uh, the willingness of Jesus to give us this new quality of humanity and also through us to, to give a new quality of life to this world. Now, the willingness of Jesus comes from the fact that God is a God of abundance. Now, we oftentimes come into worship and we're focused on our own limitations, where we've messed up, where we fall short, and we miss the invitation of God who is rich in mercy and love, who longs to lavish that on us. And today we're going to see he's actually willing to do so. Now, the problem with many Western Christians is that we look for healing and we look for hope in our possessions, what resources that we have. We look for healing and hope in social strength and status, our own self-effort and our own self-resolve. And if Jesus is any option to us, he's usually a last option. And when we come to him, we don't come really understanding our need and begging for mercy. The invitation in seeing the abundant love of God is to receive the healing touch of God knowing that he's willing. So this morning we're going to see three things. We're going, to, we're going to see the problem of humanity, the pleasure of Jesus, and the purpose of his healing. If you look down at the passage, you see at verse 12, it starts with this uh, preposition, while he was in one of these cities. Now, Jesus, it's the same language that he starts the chapter with, okay? So Luke is grammatically communicating. He's continuing a series of events. And we need to remember, and it's going to be very important when we study this, he's actually in a section where in Luke 4, when he announces the paradigm for the vision of Jesus, he's showing by the time we get to Luke 7, 20 to 22, that Jesus practically fulfills that mission. He does give sight to the blind. He does give healing to the sick. He does give life to the dead. He does give freedom to the captives. He actually practically fulfills it, and we're in the midst of that section. And we need to remember that Luke continues, and he gets to the cross where Jesus completely fulfills his mission. And as we talked last week, we get to the book of Acts, and the people of God are filled with the Spirit as Jesus was in his baptism, and have the same mission with the same continuation through Acts. We won't redo that. But we will say that 
all of us who by faith see that Jesus practically fulfills his mission in his word where we are and completely fills it on the cross, his hope and love and healing and grace are offered indiscriminately to all who have faith. Now, when we first look at this, we see the problem of humanity. The first step to solving our problem, guess what, is admitting we have one. Okay, if you're in recovery, you know that's kind of our M.O. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Now, leprosy uh, in the day of Jesus, in really ancient Israel, uh, was a, a very severe skin disease that had uh, different, we, we would say, quarantine prescriptions, okay? If you go back to Le, um, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46 particularly, one of those prescriptions is that people that have leprosy cannot go into cities. They're actually supposed to, when they see anyone or see any people gathered, they're supposed to raise their hands and say, leper, leper. And it's not like a beer salesman at a Spurs game where he's trying to sell it. All right, get your cold beer. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the opposite. Leper, leper, get away from me. And if you really want some fun reading this afternoon, then go to Leviticus 13 and 14. I'm telling you, it's electric. When you read the regulatory prescriptions of quarantine for, and cleansing for people that have leprosy. I, I don't say this about much of scripture, but it's actually pretty tough to read. But it would have been very clear in the minds of people in this day. And if you look at the passage, it doesn't say which city Jesus was in. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. What does matter is that the leper was in the city with him, right where he shouldn't have been. You see, the sickness was so severe, he didn't care about the social boundaries. He didn't care about the regulations. He knew he needed healing. And, you know, Luke is a doctor. We've talked about this when we talked about the orderly account. And he uses a medical term to describe the level of leprosy he has. It says that he was full of it. Literally full of leprosy. The, the, the medical term would be uh, accurately translated as covered in. The man is beyond help. He's beyond hope. He's full of sickness. He's covered in sickness. And rather than announcing that he's a leopard, everyone should stay away, he goes into the city and he begs Jesus for mercy and healing because he knew he could do nothing on his own. I couldn't help but be reminded of a story. If you uh, have heard me in the modern service, I've told this about a year and a half ago, but we, we have four kids, and I'll never forget when one of our kids was taking a Saturday afternoon nap. They slept a little longer than normal, which is not a complaint for tired parents. And we were sitting there, and we hear this little voice come out, Daddy! Daddy! So our child was awake. But as we got closer to the room to get our child out of the crib, you could smell something was not right. And my wife looked at me and she says, it smells like a gorilla projectile vomited in there. And we agreed. We didn't know what was on the other side, but we needed, if we we're going to survive, staying together would be the best bet, right? So we opened the door and my child had gone to the bathroom so much in their sleep that it had come out the side of their diaper 
And I'm guessing that she was trying to clean herself up because she had wiped it on her body and on the crib and on the wall. And she was yelling, Daddy. And so I did what any loving father would do. I looked at my wife and said, let's get out of here. I closed the door. (laughs) And I just left her. Because she can clean herself up, right? No. I did what any loving father does. And I grabbed her and picked her up. And we went to the bathroom and we cleaned her off. And we cleaned everything up because she couldn't do it herself. You see, the desperation comes when we've tried to clean ourselves up in life. We've tried everything possible, and it just makes it messier. It just makes us smellier. It just covers us more. And we know there's only one real hope. It's not the hope that we have in a human father that loves. It's the hope that we have in a heavenly father who from above sent his Son, And Jesus saw this man come to him, breaking all social norms. And look what it says this man did. It says that he fell on his face and he begged him. He begged him. I don't know when desperation has last marked your dependency on Jesus when you saw your deep need and your complete inability, where it put you on your face and you begged, Jesus, you're the one that can heal me. Jesus, you're the one that can provide. Jesus, you're the one that can give hope. Jesus, you're the one that can forgive. Jesus, you're the one that took my shame. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But the problem is, friends, listen, In our culture of uber abundance, we have more material possessions, more power, more strength than any people in all of history. Period. More security, more food, more comfort. That's where we are. So the tendency is to rely on what we see. The invitation is to rely on Jesus, to be dependent and to beg him from our need. Now, Just so you know, I'm not throwing stones at our culture. This is just something that happens to the human heart. I don't know if you're familiar with the story from Naaman, from 2 Kings, uh, but Jesus actually referred to it when he he was talking about his mission. You may remember last week. He talked about Naaman. And Naaman is a great example of someone who is like us, who struggles with something that he has no power to clean himself up from, and he looked horizontally to his own power and his own material possessions. Uh, the, the scripture on the screen it, it describes Naaman as a, a commander of the army of Syria, 2 Kings 5.1. He was a great man with his master, that's the, the, high, the king of Syria, and in high favor because by him the Lord gave victory to Syria. Listen to this. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And so as Jesus is fulfilling practically the mission that he proclaimed in Luke 4, he's also doing it theologically and going back and referring to this Gentile, non-Israelite who had all kinds of power, all kinds of strength, all kinds of success, but had leprosy. He could do nothing about it. And as you follow the story, it's this amazing thing because this man that could get anything he wanted, when he wanted, could do nothing about his sickness. 
And it was a servant girl who had been taken captive in battle, a, a, a servant girl ripped from her family, trafficked and made a slave, who said to this king, if you would only go to the prophet in Israel, he could bring healing. And as we read about him hearing this unbelievable testimony, this powerful man listening to a servant girl, verse 6 says this, it's crazy. So Naaman went, listen, he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Now, you see, I am not throwing stones at our culture. I am merely pointing out that when you have a lot, your temptation is to look to a lot to try to give you something that it cannot. Our stuff can't give us healing. Our money can't give us hope and meaning. Our success can't give us the security we need. Our own work cannot, our own performance cannot atone for our sin. We are a people of limitations and we must look to Jesus to be the fullness of all of our hearts are longing for. It's an invitation, friends. There is no condemnation because the invitation is highlighted by the intimate reality that Jesus is willing to heal. You know, one reason why we don't turn to Jesus is because we have a lot. You know what the other reason is? We don't really believe he cares. We don't really believe he loves us. I mean, isn't he busy with like crazy dictators around the world and doesn't even know my name? No. He not only knows your name, he loves you. And the pleasure of Jesus is the next thing we see. The problem of humanity highlights the pleasure of Jesus. Uh, if you look down at, at verse 13, it's crazy. I mean, this man comes, he's covered in leprosy. He falls on his face, he's begging. And you would think, with all these people around in the city, that Jesus would be like, uh, just take care of this guy, right? Like somebody get away from him. I can't have, I'm still like trying to get my name going. Like I, I need, just take this guy away. I can't, have, I can't be unclean. I've got to be a rabbi. I mean, I can't be near rashes. That's not what he does. Look at 13. This is crazy stuff, man. Jesus stopped. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. Jesus meets this guy's need despite the panic of the people around him despite the social norms. And, and imagine what Jesus is doing. This guy has been outcast, and Jesus welcomes. This guy has been untouchable, and Jesus touches him. This guy's been invisible and unheard, and Jesus stops, and he hears him. Why? Because Jesus loves. It's amazing. Because Jesus is a God of abundance, He's abundant in love. He's abundant in mercy. He's abundant in healing. He's abundant in hope. He's abundant in justice. He's abundant in holiness. When we come to him and beg, he's willing to heal. Now, I don't know how you finish this first sentence here. Jesus is blank. Most of us finish this season's by, sentence by saying, Jesus is a little frustrated with me. Jesus is disappointed that I'm not trying hard enough. Jesus is sad that I keep falling short. 
Jesus is what? What do you put there? Most of the time, we fill it in with our failures and not his faithfulness. But this story fills in something more beautiful than our own brokenness. Jesus is willing. Jesus is pleased. Jesus desires to, from his abundant love, to touch our unclean places and make us clean. Jesus, from his abundant grace and mercy, he is willing to take us in our feeling outcast and to welcome us in. Jesus is overflowing with goodness, so much so that the areas of our life we don't feel are touchable, he wants to touch. The areas of our life that are impure, unclean, unholy, he wants to touch, to redeem as a place to show the sufficiency of his grace. Against all expectations, against all odds, Jesus is willing to hear, to heal, and to restore. We just need to believe. Now, back to the story of Naaman. This is really amazing. Because Naaman, this proud and successful and rich and wealthy commander that took all of his stuff and all of his money so that somehow maybe he could leverage or buy a healing, somehow that, that would save him like it has in every other aspect of his life, in his battles, in his family, in, in his relationship with power and to people and the success in life. That's what saved him. So surely that's the answer here, not so much. Because when he gets to the prophet of Israel, look at what he says. He's told to go bathe in the Jordan River seven times. Verse 11, Naaman was angry. He went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call him in the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and cure me. Are not the Abana, the Potiphar, the rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could not I wash in them and be clean? Verse 12 at the end. So he turned away in rage. Isn't this how we act? When God doesn't operate on our terms and our ways and our cultural norms, does he really care? Does he really have the power to heal? Is he really listening? This is where Naaman is. It's not condemnation for us. This is the human heart. It's invitation from God. Look what happens next. It's crazy. Verse 13, it's on the screen. But his servants, again, the servants are speaking, and he listens. They came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said, Wash and be clean? So he, that is Naaman, he went down, he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Faith. Faith in the word of God. Faith in the work of God. Faith in the prophet of God. This is where we try find, this is where we find real healing and real hope. Jesus is willing. God is pleased. And he speaks this invitation. Come to me. All you need to do is believe. To see your desperation and to know he is pleased. He's willing. Sickness of sin that deserves death. Jesus is willing. He died in our place so we can be forgiven. Are you like me? Sick from pride? And that can ruin relationships? Jesus is willing. He came in humanity and in humility so that his love can transform us. Are you sick from materialism? 
continuing to experience emptiness, Jesus was emptied of his life so that you could be filled with and satisfied with his love. Are you sick of the social media madness that's leading to minimally mental health issues? Jesus wants to fill your heart with gladness. Jesus is willing. Where are you experiencing the desperation in your life? The places that you have no power. The fears that keep you up at night. One of the greatest privileges I have is walking with people. And last week I heard a really powerful testimony. Walking with a man through some pretty difficult stuff. He says he couldn't stop waking up at two in the morning, worried about it, anxious, wondering about the consequences. And he said, Mitchell, you know what I started doing? I said, what? He said, when I wake up, I just get out of bed and I hit my knees. I say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, open my heart to your love. Jesus, have mercy. And this has become, every time he wakes up, this is what he does. He hits his knees and he prays and God gives him peace. He ends up going back to sleep. But this sense of desperation that has a heart that turns from the things of our world and turns to the word of our Savior. Jesus is pleased, he's willing, and he's ready. Now what's the purpose of the healing? Real quick, look at verse 14. Uh, the purpose is, he says, go tell no one, go show yourself the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing. The purpose is cleansing and restoration. This is why all through scripture, cleansing is so significant. That our unrighteousness can be cleansed and we're made righteousness by Christ. This is why John says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just, not only just to forgive you of your sins, but to cleanse you, to purify you from all unrighteousness. So cleansing is, is the first reason, the purpose of, of Jesus' healing touch. But the second in verse 15, we see it's really to spread the glory of Jesus. But now even more, the report about Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him. The purpose of our dependency on Jesus and our desperation looking to him alone for our healing and hope is so that he can get more glory. Could it be this, friend? Could it be that your area of anxiety the fabric, the focus of your fears? Could it be that the, the reality of your limitation is given to you so that it can be an arena for God's glory? Could it be that the difficult relationship, the trouble in business, the financial issues, the, the health struggles, the seriousness of the sin you continually wrestle with, the shame that you carry because of it, could it be that God is asking you, put this in my hands, let me heal you, let me give you hope so that I can gain glory? I think it could be. This is the invitation for all of us. Now, I couldn't, I know we're not singing this, but I couldn't preach this without thinking of a, a guy named Joseph Hart. I don't know if you're familiar with Joseph Hart. He wrote a really famous hymn called Come Ye Sinners. And he actually uh, grew up in the church, but 
He was very resistant to the gospel. In fact, he took the time in his early adulthood to write a tract. Like he wrote something for everybody to read that started with the line, the unreasonableness of religion. But after he experienced, I'll say, after he was ambushed by the love of God in Jesus, he threw a sermon from George Whitfield. Uh, John Hart, Joseph Hart, uh, became a hymn writer. And his hymn, Come You Sinners, I think is an appropriate ending. Come you sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty, glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will not come at all. I will rise and go to Jesus. He will save me from my sin. By the riches of his merit, there is joy and life in him. Let's pray together. Lord, we believe. Would you help us with our unbelief? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.